We're in this loss. We're in this pain. And we're in this confusion of like, God, if you are even there, what are you doing? But I am convinced, though, that some of us are carrying a load that was never meant for us to carry. And I think for some of us, you're carrying on to this hope or a dream or something, and you're still, it's still a burden, though. You're still supposed to give it over to God, but it's okay because you don't feel the pressure because it's not that bad. It's not making you walk funny at all. This is just tough. You're tough because all of a sudden this grew into this. I know and you know that you don't need to carry this to 2021. Some of you are holding on to things that you think physically you can hold on to. But it's too heavy for your soul. friends and uh, Merry Christmas. Hope your Christmas was great. I know what you're thinking. Uh, so what's happening here? Because usually the last Sunday of the month, we take a break. We have like this no church Sabbath Sunday. And that is true. If you've been a part of Mosaic, that's what we do. But this year has been the year of exceptions. And uh, it felt like we had no church a lot of times this year. It kind of felt like that. So anyways, I thought, you know what? We should just kind of end our Christmas uh, series and... Uh, um, and just just connect again b- before we enter into 2021. And I think it's a really important conversation because there's a lot of expectation on 2021, right? I mean, I mean, all of us are wondering, okay, where are we headed? Where are we going? How are we going? Like, what, what's happening? And I feel like this morning's conversation um, is, um, is so important for us because I think God wants to say something to us. See, the series is about uh, the fact that God wants to speak to us, that hope is born. And what that means is that God has entered into human history to relate to us, to talk to us. And so the series is about that. It's been about God wanting to speak to us. And so we've done is that we've taken characters in, um, in the Christmas story and kind of talked through about what God could be saying through them. So first week was the Magi, how God wanted us to be people who look, uh, look for him uh, in every uh, uh, in every area of our lives, that we need to be the magi. We need to be people who are, are led by possibility and curiosity. And then the next week, uh, the second week, uh, Kristen talked about how this, I, this, that our purpose is bigger, bigger than just us. And she talked about Mary. Last week, I talked about Joseph, who doesn't get a lot of airtime, but God, um, uh, God uses, used him to kind of pro- probe us and kind of challenge us to surrender to his will. The big idea was that how can God, can God actually change plans about you and I uh, without us changing his opinion about him? And so I think it's been a great conversation. And so this last conversation, this last piece is the big idea. And there's a, uh, about uh, how God leads us. And I believe he uses three things to really lead us. Uh, and I think he's doing that even now. And he wants to. He wants to, and if we, if we would lean into these three things, which even seem kind of out, out there, I believe that you will feel and uh, really led by him. Because, like I said, I mean, we need to know where we're going. I mean, I would love to be know. I would love to know that God is leading me into 2021, and it's going to be a good thing. So, I want to talk about that. The character that I'm going to use is a guy that you might have not heard of. He is in the Christmas story. He is. His name is Archelaus. Anybody hear of that name before? Archelaus. Anybody know of him? Archelaus. Archelaus was the son of Herod, and God used 
him to lead Mary and Joseph, and I believe he wants to use him um, to even lead us. So let's jump in. It's um, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. Let's jump in. It says, when they had gone, they meaning the Magi, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until till I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so, so he got up and took the child and his mother dur- during the night and left for Egypt, uh, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so uh, was fulfilled that the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, this is pretty fascinating that Jesus actually lived in Egypt for a while. He was a refugee there. He, he ran, I mean, the, his family went there to, to hide from a, 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 a king who hated them so much, they wanted him dead. In fact, the story continues where how Herod finds out that he escaped, and, and then he goes out and starts killing all the male uh, young boys uh, around Jesus' age just to make sure that he, he killed off Jesus because he was filled with hatred. And so this hatred actually caused them to actually get up, uproot, and leave. So many things interesting happening here. The idea of like a, a prophet long ago prophesying that, that out of Egypt, the, the, a son of God would show up. I mean, that's pretty fascinating as well. I did not really realize that Jesus was the first king and first true prince of Persia. Actually, that's not true. It's just a movie. It's not true. Okay? But I thought the idea was pretty interesting. And I'm, I'm sure there were so many challenges to this too, right? Okay, so um, I want to take you to the next passage. I'm skipping a few verses here. I'm going and picking up on verse 19. It says there, after Herod died, now Herod's dead, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. So, now this angel, in a dream again, like I said last time, uh, Joseph always gets these dreams. He's led by these dreams, and he follows these dreams, and he is always led in the right way. So he is now told by an angel, it's been a while, he, come, he has a dream again and tells him, hey, it's time, let's go back to Israel. Okay, now I know you've been here in Egypt for a while, but it's time to move again. It seems like these guys have been moving all the time, all the time. So he says, okay, I'll do it. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that, that Archelaus, Archelaus, he's our guy here, Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was what? Afraid to go there. He was afraid to go there. He's like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can't go to Israel, Israel. Like, I can't go to where I want to go because you got Herod, who did die, but now you got his son, Archelaus, and, uh, and he is uh, the, as ruthless as Herod is. I mean, he's, he's out there, he's crazy, and he is going to find out, if he does, and he's going to make sure that Jesus is killed. I mean, so there was legitimate fear. And so now what happens is they were probably headed in one direction, even in Israel, and now they, they go, what are we going to do? I know that God has told us to, to, to go to Israel, but what are we supposed to do now? Well, the, uh, the passage continues. It says, having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to, a, to the district of Galilee. Now, 
dream happens again. Angel shows up again and goes, yeah, yeah, I know we want you to go to Israel, but there's actually, um, again, a shift. I need you to go a different direction here because of Archelaus. And this shift is very, it's, it's minute, it's small, because it's still just in Israel, but you have to be in a particular place. It's just a little shift, but it's important. It's detailed. See, Satan's not in the details. God is in the details. And he says, I want you to go here. So he says, okay, I want you to go to a distinct place in Galilee. And he went there and lived in a town called, guess what? Nazareth. Nazareth. And we go, oh, Nazareth. Yeah, of course, because Jesus was Jesus of Nazareth. And it says here, and so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Have you noticed what's happening here? God uses certain things to get them exactly where they wanted to be. In fact, God used... Uh, all these difficulties, all these things, all these obstacles, all these things to get Jesus to the exact place he wanted Jesus to grow up in and become a particular kind of person. Could it be possible that God uses things in our lives and even not right now, God's using to lead us and it seems like, well, that, well, I thought we were supposed to go here, but now I think we're supposed to do this. Well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And then, and then, uh, we feel like there, there's just so many dead ends. Could it be possible that God is actually using all of these things to actually get us to the exact place that we need to be to, to grow, to mature, to maybe grow up in? I think God does that. And that's why I call it the Archelaus effect. Archelaus, the word, the name actually means leading the people. Did you know that? How ironic. Archelaus means leading the people. I wonder if God's doing that. I believe he is. So how does he do it? Number one, based on the story, I think God uses other people's hatred of us to lead us. Yes, I said it. God uses other people's hatreds of us to lead us. Uh, several years ago, I was, um, I was on this kind of like circuit of speaking at colleges. It was particular, I was, it was a part of a particular denomination. And, and uh, I was just, I spoke at one of their chapels and, and taught a class and they loved it. And so anyways, I kept on speaking at different uh, colleges based on this, uh, in the denomination. Well, I think I did so many. I kind of enjoyed it a whole lot. I would always go, you know, do the chapel service and then teach a few classes. It was great. It's great. Now, once, one time, in a particular college, I was going to another class, and um, I had a team of people uh, who would go with me, and, and uh, these guys came to me and was like, hey, listen, uh, you don't need to go to the class. Uh, you actually, in fact, the, the president wants us out of here. And I'm like, what? He wants us out of here. What do you mean? Because usually what would happen is I would go to these colleges, I would speak at the chapel, and before or after, I would meet with the president of the college and some of the faculty and just kind of chat with them, get to know them a little bit. And I did the same thing with this one. I, I did the chapel and then had a kind of a lunch with the, uh, the president and some of the staff there. And I thought things were great, awesome. And I was going to go teach some classes for them and all good. But apparently something happened. In fact, I found out that he wanted, wanted us out of the campus, wanted the whole team out off the campus. He was livid. He was mad. He, was, he did not like us at all. And then he actually went and complained to the denomination about me and about uh, the, the, my team. And, and I was just so confused. Come to find out, 
there was some major issues between one of the main team leader and the president, and it just turned into a mess. And he hated me because of like uh, because I was a part of their group. I was hated by association. Hated by association. I think so much of that is going on right now. There are people in our lives who hate us because we're associated with a, a particular group. Oh, they, they, they hate the group, so they hate us. I mean, come on, we've had conversations like this. We've had family conversations and meetings and, and party, uh, like uh, birthday parties and awkward conversations all year long because we're like, oh, I, don't, I hate with this party. I hate this group of people. I hate what they're doing here. I hate what she's doing here. I hate who they've become. I, ho- I hate who they support. I hate this. I hate that. And so many of us are practicing this idea of hating by association. And, and we're doing it or we're, we're, we're feeling it. We're feeling people hating us. And honestly, for me, I have a hard time thinking there are people out there who hate me. I know. I, it, would be, it, wouldn't be, it shouldn't be strange for me. I mean, knowing my background from the Middle East, Muslim, you know, turned Christian, pastor. I mean, I get it. I mean, if you... Google me. There are Muslim radicals that, you know, threaten to kill me and all that. But I don't know, man. There's something inside of me that says, if you knew me, you would love me. Apparently, that's not true. Apparently, that's not true. I, I just, I just didn't, I don't, I just, I don't know. I just don't believe it or I don't want to believe it. I recently read a book called Necessary Endings. Um, and uh, Dr. Henry, Henry Cloud in that book talks about a lot of things about relationships and how they end. And he said this, uh, he said, basically, he said, if you think, if you think there, are p- there, there, there aren't any people in your life who hate you and dislike you and are hoping for your downfall, you are extremely naive. I don't, I, you know what, I don't, I, who I don't like is, is him. Because I thought, I don't believe that. I'm naive to think that there's, I mean, there's, there's no, who hates me? Huh? Because again, if you, if you knew me, you'd, ha- you'd love me. But I have learned to accept the fact that there are people who either hate me by association because I associate with a particular group of people or I don't associate with a group of people um, or they just flat out hate me because of, of me. I'm still wrestling with this. But God uses their hatred of me to lead me. There are people in your life who are hoping that you fail. Some of them you might even know. Some of them you might be even related to. You might. You might. But there are enemies in a sense. And I, I just like, I don't even like the term. I don't like the fact that there could be enemies of me. But I, I'm, but I think there are. I think you have enemies. I think there are people who in your life who just hate you, what you've become and where, you've, uh, where, you've, where you are right now in life. And they just, there's, there's hatred. And that hatred is causing some roadblocks in your life. So with that president, when he complained, and, and uh, guess what? It, the whole, that whole idea of going to colleges and speaking for this, it ended. It just stopped. It was a permanent, no way, thank you for your service. It was over. And I'm like, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. You see, people's hatreds of you will cause certain things in your life to be just not an option anymore. 
door shuts in your face. Opportunity just leaves. Clients are just mad and you don't even know why. You don't even know why. And you're going, I just, uh, give me a chance because I need to move forward. And it seems like for no reason, hatred has shut the doors. Hatred has, 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 has uh, paralyzed you. Hatred has put a, like chains around you and you can't move forward. But God uses hatred, friends. God uses other people's hatreds to lead you. God also uses hardships. He uses hardships. I mean, Joseph and Mary fleeing to Egypt. I mean, come on. Why? Why? It's hard enough. The whole miraculous birth story uh, experience was hard enough. Come on. No room at the end. Hard enough. I mean, come on. Why does it need to get harder? Why do we need to leave our country or leave our place and go to Egypt? I mean, Joseph was a carpenter. That means he had clients. That means he had a small business. I'll tell you what's not really great for small business. You pack up and you leave. That's not good. I mean, we're starting all over again. Man, talk about hardships, right? Have you noticed in this pandemic, things that were hard just got harder. Like, they were, they were already hard. They were already difficult. And now they've become more difficult. I mean, school was, was tough. And now, it's, now educating our kids are, is like over the top. It's like gotten even harder. I mean, relationships were difficult and complex, and now they're getting super complicated. I mean, go, going to the grocery store, I mean, things like that that shouldn't be that hard or wasn't that, that hard have gotten so much harder. Our jobs, relating to people, I mean, loved ones in our life, I mean, just things that you're like, okay, I know they were a little hard, but now everything is a lot more harder. Hardships over hardships, over hardships. I mean, Joseph and Mary faced this. We face this. We face this, don't we? But hardships, I feel, are always ripe with spiritual potential. Hardships are always ripe with spiritual potential and, and spiritual energy. And what I mean by that is, like, God is moving in the midst of them. So when you get roadblocks, when you get difficulties, when you get detours, when you get, like, shutdowns, when you, when you, you know, just have... Uh, you run out of resources, run out of options. When you just, it's just so complicated. When you feel like you're moving forward, but you're really moving backwards, it's, you're going back and forth. When you feel these things, just know that God's in the middle of that. When he says, hey, go to Egypt now, go here now, then come back now, he is using that. It's all part of the what? The Archelaus effect. God uses um, uh, hatred. God uses Hardships and, and God uses our history, our history to lead us to where he wants us to grow up in. Why does he use our history? Why, why, how, did I, how did I come up with that? Well, did you notice? Where did they end up? They ended up back to where they started. Nazareth, the people of that town knew, they knew, they knew Mary, they knew the family. They knew the drama. They knew this miraculous conception. They knew all those things. See, I don't think that Joseph and Mary, when they got a chance to leave Egypt and then come back to Israel, were thinking, let's go back to our hometown where everybody knows our business and everybody's already wondering what happened here. No, they wanted to go somewhere else. And then you got this Archelaus effect, right? You got this, well, 
he's still alive and there's still danger. I want you to go here. I want you to go here. And so what happens? Now Mary has to go back and go back to her hometown and, man, face the past. See, God wants to use our past. And I get it. Some of us are like, I don't want to visit our past. I don't want to revisit it. I don't want to go back. I actually want to leave. In fact, Charlotte is one of those transient cities, right? There are people filled, uh, especially in Charlotte. Uh, it's filled with people who, who, um, who've made their own identity now. They've moved and come back. I mean, they've left home in a sense and they've come here. Like no one is from Charlotte. That's the joke, right? No one's really from here. Why? Because all of us who have moved here have a past. We have our hometown that we kind of left and we don't want to really go back. Uh, we all have a past that we don't want to visit, revisit. All, all of us have just painful things, wounds that are just, um, you know, they're just raw in a sense, right? You know what's uh, interesting is the town Nazareth was actually one of those towns that was unwalled and unprotected. Like it was, it was one of those towns that obviously we talked about how it was uh, a small little town, no one really cared, but it didn't have any walls it didn't have any protection it was just kind of a one you know stoplight kind of a town and it's just ironic and interesting to see like i think that's what god really wants um us to um really understand that sometimes god wants us to go to our past even though it was super insignificant and or just uh full of full of all these emotions um he wants us to go back and maybe the town, maybe going back is kind of raw, you know, for you. And maybe it's kind of like a time where you were unprotected and unwalled and, and uncovered in a sense. And um, maybe in the midst of this, symbolically God's saying, hey, I, I do want you to go back. I mean, why? Why in the world did God want Joseph and Mary to go back into that town? Obviously, we know as we read the Gospels and read the life of Jesus that it was very important. It was it was all part of a divine plan. See, God leading you is part of a divine plan, and he wants to lead your life. And God wants to use other people's hatred. He wants to use hardships. He wants to use your history to lead you to a place where he wants you to grow up in. So are you and I willing to step into that? Are we willing to do this? How do we do this? How, how, how can we be led by God in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of life as we know it, in the midst of us wrestling with sh um, our dreams and our hopes and desires? You know, what is it going to look like? How, wh what does it look like? Well, I don't know if I have uh, all the answers for you uh, this morning. I do know that going into 2020, the, f the first week of that, I want to wrestle about that. I want to wrestle about, like, wrestle through the idea of hearing from God. Like, what does it look like? And so don't miss next week because we're going to just jump into that. Like, what do we do? How do we hear the voice of God? How, we do, how do we figure out and translate, in one sense, uh, God's word to us? What does his voice look like? What, is his, what, is it, what does God's word mean to us? How do we apply that to our lives? But today, Today, the big question is, um, are you going to allow God uh, to really lead you? Are you going to allow uh, God using other people's hatred, even though it's 
it seems outrageous and it, hurt, and it actually um, affects you emotionally, won't you allow God to use it? You're like, I, I just want them to like me. No, no, no. Maybe you just don't need to be in that relationship anymore. It's a necessary ending. And then you're thinking, God, if you're with me, this should not be that hard. But it's harder. Maybe God wants to use this hardship to lead you. Again, Joseph and Mary, I mean, their kid was Emmanuel, God with us. Well, if God is with us, why is things, why are things so hard? Well, that's the problem, right? That's the dilemma. In the midst of us being in the center of God's will, having God in us and with us, we're still facing difficulties. We're still facing hardships because God is using it. And then lastly, man, are we going to allow God to use our history? For some of us, it's the scariest thing to go back home, but we need to go back home. So how do we do it? How did Joseph do it? Joseph and Mary um, were dream followers. Did you notice that? They were dream followers. Every time they got a dream, they followed the dream. And I think, um, not to be cheesy, but I think this is a pretty interesting thought here. That I think God wants us to be dream followers instead of, instead of dream chasers. See, dream, dream chasers are, are, are chase a vision. They, 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 they chase a goal out there. They, they chase uh, something that they've seen or they've heard, and they're going after it. They're, they're dream chasers. And I get it. You're like that. I'm, I'm like that. But if you want to be led by God, you have to be a dream follower. You have to allow God um, to lead you. And then you have to follow his voice, his word, and his wisdom. So let's be dream followers. When God's saying, I want you to do this. I know it's hard. I want you to do this. I know they hate you. I want you to do this. I know this is part of your history. I think we need to just get up and move forward courageously. So that's my prayer for us, that you you would follow God courageously. Lastly, I want to pray something for you because as we close today, I know that you're going to respond in your own unique way and I want you to. Maybe your unique way is to, is to actually say, you know what? All right, God, I'm going to allow you to use hatred and hardships and history to lead me and then that's the best prayer that you can pray. God, lead my life. Lead me. I will follow. You lead, I follow. Not I lead, you follow. No, you lead, I follow. I hope that's our prayer. I want to pray that for you. And But lastly, though, I do want to pray this kind of blessing over you because it's the last Sunday of the year. It's Psalms 20. It's the Passion Translation. It says this, May God give you every desire of your heart and carry out every plan as you go to the battle. I love that. When you succeed, we will celebrate and shout for joy. Flags will fly when victory is yours. Yes, God will answer your prayers and, he, and, and we will praise him. I know God gives me all that I ask for and brings victory to his anointed king. Man, this is a great promise. This is a great blessing. Uh, I know that as we lean into him, he will lead us because he is leading us. But let's allow him to do that. Let me pray for us. Lord God, I thank you so much for this conversation. I thank you, God, that you would inspire us, um, um, encourage us, 
you would show us that in the midst of all the things um, not going well, in the midst of all these roadblocks, in the midst of all these people misunderstanding us and end up hating us, in the midst of all of this awkward, uh, I don't know if we're moving in the right direction, I'm not quite sure, in the midst of this darkness even we face, God, in our world, especially in our country, God, we are people who are committed to walking with you. And that means we're committed to be dream followers. God, we want to follow the dream. We're going to allow you to use whatever you need to use to get us to the place to grow. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Bless you guys.